0: Welcome to Regulated and Relational, the bi-monthly podcast produced by the Attachment and Trauma Network. Today, Julie and Ginger will be explaining more about what it means to be trauma-informed and what is different about that than other things like trauma-sensitive or trauma-aware. Come listen in with me.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Regulated and Relational, our podcast produced by the Attachment and Trauma Network. I'm Ginger Healy.
2: And I'm Julie Beam.
1: And we're excited to share with you from both our personal experiences and our professional knowledge, what it truly means to be attachment focused, trauma informed, and how we can help children impacted by early childhood trauma.
2: Today, we're going to tackle a subject that seems very simple on the surface. But if we ask 10 people on the street, we get 10 different answers. And that is, what does it mean to be trauma informed? The Attachment and Trauma Network has been at this work for coming up on 29 years so far, long before trauma was connected to the challenges of attachment disorders. But even in 2007, which has been 16 years ago, we changed our name to the Attachment and Trauma Network. And many have recognized that the language of attachment trauma is synonymous with things like relational trauma, and even as related to developmental trauma, that traumatic impacts that happen within those primary relationships, early experiences of trauma, abuse, neglect, or adversities that can impact a child's development. So in 2007 when we made that name change and we introduced the word trauma and the concept of trauma we were really just crying in the wilderness for the most part the concept of trauma impacting a child's development was a new concept for a lot of people and it was not widely understood and we only knew about it at ATN because we had so many families who were desperately seeking answers for their children and so we were following the research and trauma informed schools communities and workplaces did not exist that language even calling for those things didn't exist so over the last decade and a half the trauma-informed movement has gained so much momentum And now we know through our work with school systems across the U.S. and Canada that so many more leaders of schools and child-serving organizations are talking about trauma and adversities and how to address their impacts. And along with this growth and movement comes a popularization of the words trauma and trauma informed, which is both good and bad. Right. Right. And
1: in our very first podcast episode, we took on that topic, what is trauma? Both because it's important to start at the basics, but also because there are a lot of people throwing around the word trauma when they really mean something else altogether. Perhaps they're talking about stress or disappointments or even just frustrations.
2: And at the same time, there are those out there who've been struggling with the impacts of their early childhood traumas and have not yet been able to find the healing help and the support that they need.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly why we thought it was important to put stakes in the ground about how ATN uses the trauma-informed, trauma-sensitive, and trauma-responsive terms. We get asked more and more frequently what these terms mean, like how they're measured. And we know others in the field that do the same, right, as well. What we're about to share is ATN's definition of these terms. It's a definition based on researching several credible resources, including SAMHSA, S-A-M-H-S-A, and the National Childhood Traumatic Stress Network, as well as several of the foundational experts in the field of early childhood trauma. The other reason ATN is solidifying these definitions has to do with a new program that we have planned for 2024. ATN will be launching a certification program that will include levels for individuals and one level for schools and or organizations, but we'll talk more about that later.
2: Yeah, that'll be exciting. Can't wait. So let's dive right into the definitions. We see these definitions as continuing on a spectrum of understanding about trauma and about its impact on people. So to start, a person or organization would become trauma aware. You may have heard that term. And from there, they would would seek to become trauma informed. And once they had the basic knowledge of trauma things like its prevalence, the signs of trauma, signs and symptoms, the impact of trauma on our behavior, on the way that we learn and develop, along with a basic understanding of what it means to respond in a trauma-informed way. Well, then a person could take that information and that trauma-informed information and start to implement what they know. It's during that step that they often start to realize that that understanding about trauma and how to help prevent and heal it isn't really something you do as much as it's someone you become. The understanding of all of this really does change who we are. And it's in that becoming stage that we at ATN are defining that as trauma-sensitive when your entire brain, not just your cortex, not just your thinking brain has an understanding of what others need to help them get regulated and to continue towards healing and resilience. And then the last step on that continuum from trauma aware, trauma informed, trauma sensitive, the last step is to become trauma responsive. And this is where Organizations and schools and workplaces can redesign their systems and processes, as well as train and support employees in responding in ways that promote resilience in everyone. So that's, in a nutshell, how we see the continuum of these terms and how we we at ATN use these terms differently.
1: And I like that you're pointing out that it might be different from others because I have seen in other places, the trauma sensitive and the trauma informed piece swapped. So I love that we're really pointing out here why and how we are going in this sequential order. So I love that we're really highlighting that. So let's start off with talking about what it means to be trauma aware. Being trauma aware means you have a basic understanding that previous events and adversities can have a lasting impact on individuals. It involves understanding that people may be particularly sensitive to certain stimuli and react in involuntary ways when they are triggered, when their nervous systems are activated. They may be activated Quicker or to something that others may not be activated to. They may be more sensitive because of what has happened to them. So, if you are trauma aware, you recognize that people who have been impacted by trauma need changes to their environment, support, some therapies, interventions. You may also understand that trauma is prevalent in our society. And that the ACEs, which is the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, has shown prevalence. This is prevalent and the connection between early adversities and increased health and mental health risks exist, right? Generally, people who are trauma aware are just that. They are aware that trauma is a complicating factor. All over society today, we're seeing people who are becoming trauma aware. Once, this was really only thought of as those in the mental health field, you know, people who had training working with PTSD vets or perhaps domestic abuse survivors, portions of the adoption population. It was more niche, right? But now we hear from people in all walks of life, from faith-based communities and nonprofit organizations to all kinds of workplaces, the medical profession, and, of course, schools, right? So let's give some examples of being trauma-aware. It's that understanding that those who are in the military with PTSD may struggle to attend events, like with fireworks or other loud noises. That's an example of us or someone being trauma aware understanding that particular situation. Another example might be an individual realizing that children who have witnessed domestic violence or who have been physically abused themselves will likely exhibit behavioral changes over those coming weeks of days after an event or an experience, right? Think of it as trauma aware people. They are curious and they often seek out what it means to
2: go to the next level, right? To become
1: trauma informed. Right.
2: So even though trauma, Aware isn't a term that a lot of people use. Some people do. It is the beginning, right? It's the beginning right. of where they go, I wonder what's really going on here. This is where things start to get interesting is when we really dig in to say, what does it mean to be trauma-informed? Because people, people are using that term in all kinds of ways. Yeah. Well, we at ATN think it's best to explore this term and the progression of this knowledge like we would explore brain development. And if you've been to any of ATN's trainings or webinars, you'll know that we talk about brain development in some pretty simple and practical terms, like your brain grows from the bottom up and the inside out. Others have coined this term upstairs, downstairs brain. Great, great analogy. The upstairs is your thinking brain. The downstairs is what has come before, right? It's all the stuff that takes care of your breathing and handles your emotions and having this information about the brain is incredibly useful when you're trying to understand the behaviors that are communicating some earlier traumatic states, especially for children, right? So that's how we're looking at this definition too. At ATN, we see the trauma-informed piece of this work as being the cortex knowledge, the top-down thinking, if you will, the things you must think and know about trauma. Being trauma-informed is something you can do by studying it, right? By studying about trauma. It's a thinking activity. But to be successful at helping others to heal, to build resilience, or even helping yourself navigate your own early adversities You're going to need more than just that thinking knowledge. You're going to need a whole brain approach. You're going to need to involve your limbic system, your midbrain too. And that's what it means to be trauma sensitive. That's where the trauma sensitive comes in. At least that's how we are defining it for the world. So now let's talk about what it means to be trauma informed. What are the components there, Ginger?
1: Yeah. Becoming trauma-informed includes the understanding that individual traumas result from the way the individual experiences the events and the lasting adverse effects on the person's functioning. So the key components to learning about trauma-informed care, regardless of what type of organization or situation you're going to apply this care to, are first- realizing the impact of trauma on individuals, families, groups, and communities. Second, recognizing the signs of trauma. Third, having the skills and knowledge to respond using a trauma-informed approach. And then fourth, resisting re-traumatization of people. In part because of an expanded understanding of how our relational behaviors, our collective interactions, and our organizational systems can either embrace a trauma-informed framework or likely create stressful, toxic environments that re-traumatize, right? And so when we're talking about this, the primary topics that need to be covered when we're talking about becoming trauma-informed, include talking about stress versus trauma. So understanding the role and the impact of stress. We also want to make sure that we're covering, talking about neuroscience, specifically interpersonal neurobiology. And that's the study of how brains relate to each other. We also want to talk about developmental neurobiology, which is the study of how brains develop in relationship to the environment. Another primary topic that needs to be covered if you're going to become trauma-informed is the critical role that relationships play in supporting and healing people impacted by trauma. That connection piece. And then of course, we want to talk about and learn about the science of resilience. So not just resilience as a topic, but the science behind it, how it's developed and the important opportunities we have individually and collectively to support resilience in the children and really all the people that we work with. So I know that's a mouthful, but Here are some examples that might help kind of solidify that. So examples of being trauma-informed. Understanding on a basic level that a person's neurobiology is behind their reactions to triggers. That the behavior you're seeing is because of an activation in the nervous system. Which means that in that moment... The behaviors you're seeing and experiencing are because that child cannot meet the expectation or do what you're asking them to do. It's not because they won't Mm -hmm. do it, like being willfully disobedient and, you know, uncompliant. It's a can't versus a won't. They're not being disrespectful. They are not being willfully disobedient. They are unable to do what you're asking them to do or to meet the expectation or task laid before them in that moment. Not forever, maybe, but just in that moment because of what is going on inside their body. So that's one example. Another example is that realizing through the ACEs study, the prevalence, both how prevalent early childhood adversities are, and that it is resulting in an increased risk factor of long-term negative impacts to physical, emotional, and social health. Because of what has happened in early childhood are now at higher risk for things like Divorce, job loss, relationship things, right? Social health things, physical things, stroke, cancer, early death, and mental health, emotional health, depression, anxiety. I mean, the list is long and the study really dives deep into that. And we would want someone who is becoming trauma-informed to really learn about that. That is a part of this process is understanding and realizing the prevalence of an increased risk factor. So another example would be that you need to recognize that a person who is not responding in ways that are expected could be experiencing internal distress. And that shows in that they may be exhibiting behaviors that we would term fight, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn behaviors. In other words, stress responses. If a person is not responding or behaving or completing task or whatever is before them, it's likely because of the internal distress and that that internal distress leads to stress responses. Fighting the stress, running from the stress, you know, ignoring numbing, freezing, right? Shutting down or appeasing and befriending the stress in order to survive. So those are examples that we would know you are trauma informed when you understand and realize and recognize all of those things described.
2: Exactly. And that's Great groundwork for what it means to be trauma-informed and for when you're looking for programs or evaluating situations and say, is this information that I'm getting trauma-informed? Does it have those components? So what does it mean to be trauma-sensitive? While others place being trauma-sensitive as a step to becoming trauma-informed, at ATN we see it differently. Informed by interpersonal neurobiology, we have observed that those who are seeking to learn about trauma-informed care and the framework for applying trauma-informed approaches take in the information as a cortical activity. In other words, we use our thinking brains to learn about trauma, right? And while we're learning about trauma-informed care... Where we really struggle, most of us at the beginning anyway, is how we respond to trauma-based behaviors because we're not used to viewing behaviors as communication, which is exactly what they are. And because we are human, just like the children and students we work with or the spouses or, or co-workers we work around, our humanness gets stressed out, right? Their behaviors create stress in us right, as we observe those behaviors. So we're not used to observing behaviors, we're used to reacting to behaviors, right. And during the trauma informed training, good trauma informed trainers bring up the concepts of self care and community wellness and address it and sometimes pretty aggressively address it. But as learners of that, we're minimizing that in our brain because we're trying to get to the work, right? Like what do we have to do to be trauma-informed? And the truth is that we start becoming trauma-sensitive when we realize how challenging it is to do the things we need to do on a daily basis. When we are tasked with you know, creating positive relationships and remaining connected to folks and helping them to co-regulate, that's hard work if we're not also doing our own self-care and community care work to take care of all of our neurobiology, right? So as individuals go deeper in trauma work, the understanding of trauma-informed strategies become embedded in our own neurobiology. They really do. And at first, if you're just starting this journey, you're thinking, what is she talking about? But if you've been on it for a while, you're going, okay, I get it we're better able to see behavior as communication. And then we're also better able to respond to that behavior from a response standpoint, instead of to emotionally react when somebody presents a challenging behavior, right? Through continued study and application of this work, we start to impact our own limbic systems. And especially if we're taking care of ourselves and if others are providing that collective care around us, And it's reflected back by being more empathetic, by being more compassionate. Sometimes you'll hear this referred to as the paradigm shift, the paradigm shift that people make when they become trauma-informed. And that's what we're calling trauma-sensitive, right? Where you begin to understand that people's behaviors are often communicating their internal states and are signals about what they're trying to avoid or resolve the pain of of their toxic stress, of their previous adversities. When we've reached this point, then we've internalized this work. And we only can do that through practice. We can't do it just from sitting and learning it from someone else. So we are then trauma sensitive and we respond in a more whole brain way. And we work towards increasing healing centered solutions. This is often the point where people go, I now understand about trauma and I start to see it everywhere. And I start to mm. see the need for building resilience everywhere. We have an expanding awareness of how this work applies to people and in situations where we might not have previously seen as traumatic. And we have an understanding that trauma informed practices are healthy practices for all human beings. So, some examples of what this looks like in practice, where we recognize that we're responding to somebody's dysregulation by giving our own regulation, by sharing our calm, by trying to use our state to help them regulate their state. We become curious about why a person is reacting in a certain way. And then immediately start thinking about how can i help this person find other solutions to heal and grow right so instead of wanting their behavior to stop we're curious why why is this their behavior like what is happening for them we're finding that we have more compassion and empathy for people that you didn't even recognize before we're impacted by trauma and we're starting to comprehend just how significantly trauma has impacted Not only individuals and people that we obviously know have trauma, but entire families and generations and communities and societies. And we feel compassionate for that. And we feel a need for change, both for individuals and at systemic levels. So when we talk about creating trauma-informed schools and the conference that ATN holds every February for hundreds of educators across the U.S. and Canada and even around the world for those coming virtually, we call it creating trauma-sensitive schools. And we do that because we want everyone there to become trauma-informed, but even more importantly, we want you on the journey to be trauma-sensitive, that this is the overall focus, the teaching of the trauma-informed strategies, and then helping all of us to make the trauma-sensitive paradigm shift.
1: Right, and many of the school leaders and others who attend our conference regularly and work with our consultants through our PD collaborative are moving on to the final stop on this continuum, and that's becoming trauma-responsive, so let's talk about that. Trauma-responsive means, well, let me just say, trauma-sensitive individuals who work within organizations or communities that embrace the trauma-informed framework, can create a trauma-responsive system. So trauma-responsive systems are ones that embrace the six key principles of that trauma-informed approach that we talked about from SAMHSA. We appreciate SAMHSA and what they came up with in 2014. And that is this guide that I'm going to go through these six key principles of the trauma-informed approach. So number one is safety. Number two, trustworthiness and transparency. Number three, peer support. Number four, collaboration and mutuality. Number five, empowerment, voice, and choice. And number six, cultural, historical, and gender issues. So those are those six key principles of that trauma-informed approach. And organizations need to be examined across all domains, including governance and leadership, policy and physical environment, cross-sector collaboration, services, training, and workforce development, and monitoring and quality assurance. And they also need to set meaningful goals about positive outcomes expected, you know, from being a trauma-responsive organization or community. So addressing systemic challenges, culturally responsive strategies, and the impact of systemic, historical, and generational traumas is critical It's essential on this journey to becoming a trauma-responsive system. So what does this look like? Well, let's give a couple examples. So pushing your school or organization to start on this trauma-informed journey by informing all the employees, every one of them, right, working toward becoming trauma-sensitive and then becoming trauma Responsive. So when we're talking about schools, I often say it's not just the teachers, right? It's everyone that is in the school building that works with a child. So including everybody. And another example would be proposing policies and programs that will shift systemic inequities and barriers and embed trauma-informed principles in the organization.
2: Okay, so we've given you a lot to think about. This may not have been our most exciting podcast, (laughs) unless you are one of two things really into definitions, right? Or you are right now trying to look for yourself or for your organization. What does it mean to be trauma informed? Like, where are we headed with this? we've talked about trauma aware, then to trauma informed, then becoming trauma sensitive, which leads to becoming trauma responsive. And like we said at the beginning, others use those terms interchangeably. Some can have a different order, but based on what we know about this journey towards becoming trauma responsive, this is the way that we've set these definitions. And we've set them this way primarily because we are about to launch this new framework, this new certification program through ATN. And we're excited about that. Overall, the plan is this. We will be launching level one, our trauma informed certification in the spring of 2024, which is not very far away. This will be a completely online program and it'll have five to six hours of learning in nine modules that you can take online. You can review and take tests to determine if the certification will be awarded. This level one certification is designed for everyone, for anyone, any occupation, any education background. You don't have to have previous knowledge. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or an educator or a parent or, uh, you know, whatever. If you're interested in becoming trauma informed, this is a credential that you can work towards and obtain. We're hoping that it'll be a tool that you can use to enhance your own credentials and that employers can rely on it for identifying who has that trauma-informed basic understanding of what it means to provide trauma-informed care. Beyond that, likely in early 2025 will be level two for us, which will be a trauma-sensitive professional certification. Now, this program will also be executed primarily online because that's how we are able to reach all of you, but it will have more direct interaction and will require from the individual seeking it demonstration of how to implement the core concepts of trauma-informed care. This level is still in early development. So there's not much more I can tell you because I really don't know, except that It will be a certification that allows you to show how you've made that paradigm shift, right? The third level, which also may happen in early 2025, at least that's our hope because it's not necessarily the next step. It's just an additional step is the organizational level, the trauma responsive schools and organizations certification, this is going to be an organizational-wide certification, and it's going to require a portfolio. It's likely to require a site visit. It's going to require you know different criteria of whatever organizations and schools are seeking this. It's going to be a much more intensive program, but it will take into consideration all of the principles of the trauma-informed approach, how the organization is addressing these things, measurements of how things are happening at your school or your organization, we're very excited about this because we know that folks have also requested this. We've heard a lot of requests for level one certification and we've also heard a lot of organizations and schools wanting some kind of a certification program to show that they're making progress. So we're on our way to getting those things implemented.
1: I couldn't have said it better. We are really excited to be able to offer this and we really have had so many people reaching out asking us about it and how they could get their group, their staff trained, just like you said. So we'll, again, as a reminder, be introducing the level one certification at our upcoming Creating Trauma Sensitive Schools Conference in February 2024. And then, of course, we will also have more information on our website in our social media and then, you know, everything that you'll need to know about when we can expect to launch. So get ready, get excited. It's coming and it will benefit you and the children you work
2: with. Awesome. Thanks everyone for listening through the definitions today. And we hope that you just use this as a reference um, episode when you need to help define what all of those Terms mean. And uh, we're looking forward to providing this certification program for you all. We'll catch you in the next episode. Hi, everyone. It's Julie. And if you're listening to this episode on the day that it drops, you're listening to it on Giving Tuesday. And for those of you who don't know, the Attachment and Trauma Network, our parent company that Ginger and I work for, is a nonprofit. It's a national nonprofit that is almost 30 years old. It was founded in 1995. So next year will be our 29th year founded by a group of parents and therapists who were helping children that had been significantly impacted by trauma. And ATN was a lifesaver. It still is a lifesaver, but for my family and others, Ginger's family and others, it was a lifesaver for us and it changed our lives getting to know ATN, getting information from ATN, getting support from ATN. So we can't not give back. And that's the whole reason that we're here. I encourage you that if ATN has been that for your family or for the children that you serve, or if this podcast has been that, if you've gotten great information out of this podcast and you're like, wow, I need to figure out how to support this, now is a great time to do that. I know Giving Tuesday is full of noise where all of the good works of all the good charities you know are asking you to give, 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 give. And here I am doing the exact same thing. But I just want you to start where you can. Nothing is too small for us. We cherish everything. There is a use for whatever you've got. I am a sustaining giver. I give monthly. It's easier for me that way. I decide what my budget isn't going to miss and it never does. And I sign up for that monthly amount. And over the course of the year, it's a pretty significant donation. So that's one way to do it. You can do it online. You can drop us a check. You can text it to us. That information's on our website, attachtrauma.org. Thank you in advance. If you can't do it now, Make yourself a little note and do it later. Do it at the first of the year or over the summer or when you think of us next, because we're going to continue to do our best to be here providing the information that helps adults help children heal from early childhood trauma. Thank you all for what you do for the children in your lives.
0: This has been another episode of Regulated and Relational. Join us next time when our guest will be Dr. Amy of Trauma Healing Accelerated. She will be talking with Julie and Ginger about the biology of trauma. A special thank you to Joe Kramer for donating our music. For more information about the Attachment and Trauma Network, visit our website at www.attachedtrauma.org. Show notes and upcoming episodes will be available on our website and through anchor.fm. I'm Lorraine Schneider. Thanks for listening.